This is the Bushwick Variety Show. And I'm Alec the Third. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. To liberate, elevate people and ideas so that together we can reach new heights. Every single person has value. Everybody has something to contribute to the world. Um, So I seek a world where we recognize our own value. um, And then by recognizing our own value, it is easy to recognize and celebrate the value in others and the things that we say and do to each other. So today I'm talking with Tom Liebelt. He is the founder of Smart Brand Marketing. We did not know each other before this conversation, so it's always interesting when somebody reaches out, uh, not from the artist world that I come from, but more from the marketing and business world. And I believe that artists, you know, should become innovators and and be more business savvy because um, we get exploited if we're not taking charge and empowering ourselves and vice versa. Um, I think anybody um, benefits from storytelling and bringing more art to their life. So this was a good crossroads. So this is Tom Liebelt, Smart Brand Marketing. Let's have a conversation. What's up, how you doing, Tom? Uh, so how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Liebel. Liebel. So how are you uh, doing this evening? Good, man. It's actually morning for me because I, uh, I've been I've been stuck in Thailand for a while. Oh, okay. That was going to be my next question is <laughs> where in the world are you? Yeah, man. Stuck in Thailand. I mean, it's a good stuck. Like I say, it's stuck, but it's actually, it's probably the best thing that could have happened. Yeah. I was stuck one time in Costa Rica um, for some extra days and that was that wasn't the worst place to be. Also. Yeah, I was going to say, right? Like you're stuck, but it's like, well, I'm kind of stuck in paradise. So, mm-hmm. I mean. <laughs> so what uh, took you to Thailand? Are we recording? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's been a couple of years ago. Like, I always wanted to travel the world a bit, you know, and but make the money in the States. Like that's always, you know, the main thing, like, you know, not just travel from savings. And there was a group um, in Berlin at that moment uh, that was doing that, you know, people working on their laptops. And and I went to a conference with them. And then I found out their main conference happens in Bangkok once a year. So that was my first kind of trip to Thailand. And then I came back the next year and then I realized, you know what? I kind of like it here. So I'm going to stay longer. So I stayed longer almost every year after that. But I, I, I've checked out places around. Like I, I lived in Vietnam and Taiwan and Japan, like just around Asia, you know, all over Europe. And this is one of my favorite spots. So now I just have an office and, you know, when I come back, like I'm always set up to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are you mainly up to these days? And that's both like uh, during the great pause that we're all in, um, but also kind of like right before this, what were you up to? Um, kind of what are you excited about right now? You know, I, now- I have a marketing company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, I had some other stuff, but mainly a marketing company. And we've been working remotely for over 10 years now. Like the whole team is remote. Like we don't meet up in an office or anything. So when this happened, like it really nothing changed for us, you know, like, yeah, people were more stressed out. The clients, you know, became a little more problematic, but it's like, you know, for the last three, four years, I've been thinking, Oh, if I can get away from clients a bit, I want to work on my own stuff. Yeah. That's what happened. So I just got excited. I was like, Oh, cool. And so what is your uh, own stuff that you're kind of excited about right now? So, you know, anyone that's, working in an agency always has a dream to stop working with clients. Right. And I've done it before, but with this new one, I just haven't had time to implement, you know, so, you know, things like, you know, online courses or group coaching or or things which I can outsource or I can sell and have no fulfillment, but to build that up, it takes work, you know, like the easiest thing is to get clients, but then you're still trading time for money. And any agency owner will tell you, like, that's the last thing they want to do after doing it for many years. So that was the whole thing. Like, let me just work on my own stuff so I can, one, build an audience, you know, of people who don't just want to work with me one-on-one or can't afford it and start building up products and things which I can sell them and I can get my time back, you know. So, so that was really it. Like, you know, because if I think of my life, I'm, like, I'm living the dream in a lot of ways. But there's always something you know, and you know this yourself, like even when things are perfect, there's always something that annoys you. There's always that something, right? That's why you move forward and don't get stuck in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for me, you know, it, it was just natural. Like, oh, I mean, I love my clients. I got the best clients, but I still don't want to work with them. You know, it's still my time. So that was the thing. And it's been really exciting because I've got my time back a bit, not, not completely, but a bit. And I'm like, oh man, like I can take a breath, think, you know, and yeah, the world's on pause, but I'm not wasting it on Netflix. You know, I'm still just, just doing things to, to move things forward. Might be just be a little slower or in a different path, which I'm cool with. Like I actually could have used the break a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely been finding, um, it's been a great moment of reflection and, uh, clarification for me kind of on like what I want to do going forward. Um, and also not being sure what kind of the world, like what's going to be kind of different on the other side of this, like things aren't going to go back to what they were before. There's going to be a new normal. Um, but I'm really excited about the opportunity for what that looks like. Um, and what I can possibly do to shape that. Um, so your company, um, it's called smart brand marketing. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what's kind of the philosophy behind that name and like your approach? So, so it's the same thing I want for myself. I want for my clients, right? So get your time back really. Cause that's what it is. You know, most people, you know, when they start out or if they're just not experienced and I've done this myself, you know, when we go marketing or selling, we just do a bunch of random stuff. You know, we just hope anything works. Like I just need some sales, right? There's not much of an emphasis on really thinking it through, creating a strategy, creating an evergreen system, you know, something that's going to work for you. You can hire people to do and you can actually think about the business, not always where the next sale comes from. 
that's really it. That's the whole philosophy. You know, I'm, I want people to kind of replicate what I've been doing and it took me so long. But to go back to what you said about the changes, I mean, look, man, like things always change. When I was living in New York full time, you know, I was in the music industry. You know, I was working at the major studios, you know, unique recording studio, which was right in Times Square around Quad and a couple places. And maybe two years after I got into them, they all started shutting down. You know, the, the music industry got hit. It got hit hard. This was like in the mid 2000s. You know, and then and back then, you know, it was the same thing. How is it going to look after? Well, it looks nothing like it did before. Nothing like that. You know what I mean? Like these things just happen. You know, when, when I hear about the way things were before COVID, we were kind of riding a balloon, you know, another inflated balloon, you know, a lot of businesses who shouldn't be in business were still in business, you know, things like that. Like, I, I know it's no one's fault, you know, and I, I got pretty lucky just with the remote structure of my business. But when you think of it, like a lot of these things should have been gone a long time ago, you know, like they were bleeding money. You know, I'm, and I'm talking mostly about the bigger businesses, not like mom and pop stores, because mom and pops, they're always hustling, right? But when you look at like airlines and all these other places, colleges, you know, charging you for $400,000, uh, you know, for four years for crap that's worse than what you can learn on YouTube, you know, like things like that. I'm like, well, do we really need those? Do we really need to pay $100,000 a year for it? Maybe not. Maybe not. We realized how little we actually need celebrities and influencers, like, like you know, when they started being all <laughs> preachy about things, you're just like, I don't know, this is not the time right now. Like, I don't really need you. We did realize we need entertainment though right? Some kind of entertainment. So, you know, before, you know, when we could go out and do things, you know, it was a little calmer. Now everyone's, you know, betting on things, going crazy, stock market, you know, like things are out of control. But also, and this is weird, we all in a way are becoming more creative, you know, like you with the podcast, you know, I've had the show, a lot of more people are being creative, putting content out, but I don't know if you experienced this, but I've actually stopped listening to a lot of podcasts during this time and focused on my own stuff. I don't know if you've noticed that too. Like you're just not consuming as much of other people's stuff. You're like, I don't yeah. know if I need that. It's kind of both, both and for me, um, because like I, I wear many hats, like we have some similarities actually, by the way. Um, so you, you left Poland when you were around, like in the 90s, right? In the early 90s, yeah. Um, so I, um, as, an, as a young actor, um, was with a group that was doing a play in Russia in 1991. Um, so I was like the youngest wow. on this group. So I turned 10 over there. And the coup happened while we were there. Um, and I was having the time of my life because it was my first time like away from my parents and kind of just like I had more freedom than I ever had in my life and knew as like a 10 year old, what a great opportunity it was. But some of the older kids were actually like more homesick than I was. I was like, let's not go home. Like, cause we took a vote on whether to go home early. Um, and of course our parents back home, but I was like, this is like a once in a lifetime thing. We're here. History is happening here. Um, yeah. 
but uh but yeah so like around that same i think we're probably or give or take around the same age and have seen a lot of the same changes like i think i also saw uh one of your first computers was the commodore 64 yeah. <laughs> and the other day somebody was talking about like how old are you blah 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 and it was like they had atari they had nintendo like which which console oh yeah and i was like i didn't have an atari i had a commodore 64 so, yeah, Atari, yeah. I think, was a little more expensive. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was harder to get that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are, man, because you said around 10, 91. I was around 10 and in, yeah, 91, because I came back to this. Yeah, it was the same thing. Yeah. Interesting times, man. Like, the, the thing that we've went through is we moved from complete privacy to no privacy, right? Because, you know, back then, and from analog to digital. Like, we've made that move. And I, I find it's much easier speaking about a lot of things with people who have done that than just ones who grew up in the one system, like, you know, no privacy. You, got, you, know, you can't be a kid anymore, right? right? Like, think about yourself. Like, if they were filming the stuff you were doing in high school and middle school. You have big problems right now. Yeah, same. So, <laughs> you know, I feel like at least I had my childhood. Like, the craziness didn't happen until we were, like, in our 20s, late mm-hmm. 20s, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, I, I think we can embrace changes much more um, than people who haven't seen like major disruptions like that. Yeah. And that's like to the point, I mean, for me, kind of coming from like a performance background, I always, when social media started taking off, was always aware that I can share personal things on social media, but I was always aware that even if it's personal, it's public whether you think about it that way or not and thinking about the number of people, people have gotten more savvy, but people have also gotten more dumb about this, but like probably Mm. about five or 10 years ago, people constantly getting in trouble for things that they just shouldn't have put on social media in the first place. You know what I mean? Like publicly. Um, So for me, like I, because of the way that I grew up and saw the, change happened i was always a little bit more cautious with my approach to it um i definitely got totally addicted to facebook like everybody else and then now yeah like as you're saying i am careful about what i take in um so it's like as far as netflix um i really i'll watch a documentary sometimes but i really try to stay away from reality shows in general just because I feel like they're, for me, a big time suck when there's already all these other shows and all these, these things that people are writing that are competing for attention. I try to like, yeah, put certain walls up where it's like, yeah, I don't have time for everything, you know? So here's my thought on that. Like for entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely go after like good stories good character building if possible. You know, if if not, I usually turn it off or go off. But even though I hate reality shows, if you want marketing ideas, headlines, and to know how, like what attracts the masses, watching one of those like, like Beverly Hill Wives or one of those crappy, real crappy shows, you know what, like you just have a notepad and you just start noting down some of the nonsense. And those are usually the best performing catch lines and headlines, you know, mm-hmm. just because it's like back in the days we would look at 
um, covers of like very popular magazines because they, you know, they always had the best headlines. But these days, you know, it's the reality show. Like if the girlfriend or something is watching one of those, I'm like, you know what? Let me get my notepad really quick. <laughs> and, you know, like, listen, I'm like, oh, my God, this is gold. This is gold. Because they, they really, you know, embrace that mentality of like, I wouldn't say middle America, but it's sort of middle America. Yeah. Because right? that's. It, well, it's kind of like the, like reality shows are, because like with Netflix and the different specialized shows that are going after yeah. different demographics, it's like reality shows are kind of going after like the broad the mass, audience. the yeah. mass, you know, and and that's that's where I will use them for. Like if I need inspiration once every two three months, I'll turn one or two of those on, and I'm like, let me see what the general masses are and it's always so different than from me because i'm super focused and probably you are too in your own interests mm-hmm. you know like for me like a reality show is like this is garbage but millions are watching this garbage and then it's like yeah. well why why are they watching this and you start looking at it and like you know and and the people in those shows will start mentioning things which you're like this is stupid but let's write it down mm-hmm yeah, right. I mean, the other th- I do understand why so many people watch them. And my thing with them is I try to avoid them just because they are super addictive. So it's like if you, if you start watching some of them, like there's the one, there's two kind of shows like this, and I can't remember the names of the two different ones, but one of them's like Love at First Sight, and the other's where, where you get, they get married like really quickly. Love is blind. Love is blind. Um, and my wife was watching that one, and so then I actually caught part of it. Like I was like, I'm not watching this, but she's like finishing an episode. I'm like, all right. And then through kind of her wa- like watching it over like however long she watched it, me being like in and out, like doing things and then coming in, I got the overall story. Um, <laughs> without like watching all of the each episode and i was like i'm fine i'm like yes for this all the spoilers for breaking bad for better call Saul, i don't want any spoilers but reality show for me yeah spoilers are fine yeah so the the reason i mention like the 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 wives type Mm -hmm. shows so with reality shows too even when you look at the masses there's a different type of audience you know or interest right so with uh all these law shows it's all about drama right mm-hmm. that doesn't really interest me so i skip those um all those survival shows and things it's a part of stupidity and and kind of skill right like depends what you're looking for the reason i mentioned those wife ones is because those are shopping oriented mm. right so let's say like some of these shows are all these people do is think about what to buy next in the show, and that's all they mentioned to. Oh my God, I got this. And that's where the marketing part comes in, right? It's like, okay, so they're telling the whole country that they bought this and it's good because of this reason. Bam, right? They solved half the problem for you because they're already kind of, you know, um, setting you up for the, for, the, you know, for the basket. So like for marketers, it's good to watch those shopping oriented type of shows where like, you know, the people are just bored at home, and they have nothing to do but attend events, try to create events, and buy things. 
And that's where you kind of get that marketing part. Those other ones, they're a good time waster, you know, but like for me, watch one survival show. I've watched them all. Like, you know, I, I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. They're all going to not have enough food. They're going to get into an argument. And at the end, one is going to leave or one, you know, and, and with the loved ones, it's like, okay, either they're going to get together, have drama, not get together, have drama. Like it's, it's always a similar type thing. Right. So I'm like, this is not really helping me in my business. I, I can see that. But it's, you know, even with Bill, you got to be a little careful. You know, you got to kind of avoid those ones that it's all about just stupidity or drama because that's not going to lead you forward. Like if you get a good movie, you'll have all those aspects too. <laughs> you yeah. know, and at least you have a story. But I'm just, you know, I just meant like when I pick those, it's, it's really, um, I'm targeting to like which ones because I want, you know, like the Kardashian one was a good lesson on influencing right? Like it's a family of influencers and you kind of watch how they approach things and how they act in front of the camera. And you're just like, okay. But again, you see one or two and you're just like, I'm, I'm kind of good for now. Right. You know, but, but it's, you know, like even there, I kind of like to be mindful of where I'm putting my attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you mainly work with like brands do you work with people do you work with artists and i know you've done all of that like kind of at different stages but right now while you don't necessarily want to work individually with clients as much anymore kind of who are you for like who do you most like to work with so here's what i've niched down into in in the beginning it was really online courses right like we've We've done, you know, the whole every business and I found by niching down, we could do much better because we we could become a big fish in a small pond quickly, you know, which is not where you want to stay, but it's a really good spot for a while. So we really went after um, course creators. And when we started out, it was really educators, you know, who are doing it online, which is not the case anymore. You know, almost every speaker, every... Um, agency, every person who wants to either get away from clients or cannot um, do engagements, public engagements, or, you know, teach at a school properly, or just wants to get, you know, do something on their own, they're all creating content. Many are creating courses now. So my clients became a bit different. There's a lot more B2B also, you know, like, for a while, let's say someone was in a chiropractic business, right? Or a dentist. And they viewed all the other chiropractors as competition or the dentist as competition. And then one day they realize they're not. They could be my clients. And they'll start teaching them how to build up their chiropractic businesses or dentists. So now they're selling B2B. So it's a lot of different people kind of, you know, got this idea that I can share what I've learned for like the last 10, 20 years and teach it but not in a way where I'm trading my time again for money. It's more of like, you know, I'm going to put it out there and control how it's digested. Right. So they might have like an hour coaching per week along with it, but you control that, you know, you, if you can, you know, make a living and only work for one hour per week and everything else is kind of like, you know, you're on your own. That's a beautiful thing too. So, um, with, especially with COVID, we found, Oh man, like anyone can make a course now. 
or, or go in that, you know, I'm going to teach you direction. And then it's kind of by, by what the environment did, you know, like a lot of people cannot do their daily tasks anymore. You know, you can't fly, you can't perform, you can't appear, you can't act, you can't do comedy. You can't, you know, there's just, you can't, everything is, you can't really. You well, know. unless you, and like you can, we have to be creative. You can't well, do it. You I, can't do it in the, in the way that you could do it in normal times. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Right. Like, like yeah. the, the people's lives got dis- disrupted. Right. Like, you know, yeah. with, with acting, like I, you know, there's still movies coming out. They're still acting, but it's not the same thing. You can't, you know, do a lot of the, I go to this class on Thursday. I go to do this. I teach kids here. I teach adults here. I do coaching. Like a lot of it's been just, you know, disrupted in a, in a major way for them. You know, and, and this is when, you know, people are like, well, how do I do it? Or maybe I can teach online. And then every expert that starts teaching online, the first thing they realize is, you know, I got to learn the tech, which is a lot by itself. You know, I got to create the content. And then the biggest hat, which is the most important, but it takes the longest time. How do I sell this? How do I market this? Like it took me many, many years to figure it out and I'm still learning. So how do you catch up to me who's been doing it for 20 years in three months? You can't, you know, some get lucky um, and sell some and then it stops and they come to me saying like, well, I don't know, like it was going well and it didn't anymore. Or some get lucky, like um, there are some niches, like very obscure niches, you know, which work well. And people will get lucky by just putting them up on YouTube. You know, they'll, they'll get the free training on YouTube and drive them to the course. Um, but then once again, you know, when luck comes in, eventually you hit a wall. And they'll be like, well, I'm making, let's say, five ten thousand $10,000 per month. And I can put a 500 videos up there and nothing goes up anymore because they've exhausted that channel but they don't actually know why it's working. So they can put a strategy together and go into different channels. So I kind of pick up, you know, like where that knowledge gap happens, you know, like either like, I just don't know how to sell it or I've been getting lucky. And then, you know, like I've launched the course, you know, multiple times a year and I hate it. I hate it. It's always crickets after the launch or the second launch didn't work. You know, so these knowledge gaps, that's where I come in. Um, but they're very important knowledge gaps. So we've been doing well. Uh, but that's, you know, the marketing thing is always the most important. Like if you're not selling, you're not in business. So mm-hmm. I, you know, that was always my mentality too. Like I've, you know, ran a lot of businesses, but I always thought if I can't learn myself how to market and sale, I'm always going to be at the mercy of someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is what happens a lot. You've probably seen it with small businesses. The owner is a really good operator. And they hire a sales guy or a saleswoman, right? And within two, three years, they realize they're being held hostage now. Because if this person says jump, like if I don't jump, they're going to put me out of business because they're bringing all the sales on. And that's a scary thought. I always tell people don't ever be in that situation. You know, like I've spoken with businesses and I'm talking to the owner and she's like, oh, I got to run this by my sales guy, see if he's okay with it. Because it's that, that much of a hostage situation. I'm like, so it's not your business anymore. Let me just talk with them. Like, you're not really necessary in this conversation. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very important skill. Um, but acting, storytelling, you're, you're like halfway there. 
You're halfway there because that's a big piece of it. Yeah. Um, I'm actually part of a community of actors and it's this woman, Jen Waldman. She has a studio here in New York. It's like mainly Broadway musical theater actors. Um, and she's gone fully online during this time, like pivoted and was able, that's the thing with like an online platform versus a brick and mortar is like, she was able to exponentially just let in way more people. Um, but one of the big things that she's actually advocating to a lot of actors and a lot of actors in that community are actually going, um, the entrepreneur route um, or getting into sales, marketing, um, basically using the storytelling skills that we have um, and you like kind of pivoting where we're using mm -hmm. them right now. And it's she actually also advocates that actors actually should learn how to be financially independent from acting. Not like, even if you still want to act, um, so that you have more freedom to act because you're not at the mercy of the whims of directors and casting like you like for your living. So you're not desperate, basically. So, yeah, the, the, the Internet is the best thing that happened for us and the worst thing that happened for gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. You know, and then that's usually because I was in the music industry and I, I tell you, I hated it. I hate someone being able to judge and tell you, you know, like, oh, you're good enough to go through this door or you're not good enough. Like, I always thought there's a third door, you know, and I've, you know, if, you know like, like th this analogy is like, you know, if you think of a club, um, you have the crowd going in the front, hoping they're good looking enough or, you know, whatever to get in. That's cool. Then you got the VIP route, connections, money, you know, go in. I always found a little window on the, by the attic pick up my ladder, go in, break in, you know, see how things are going, change my clothes and kind of figure out how to get in my own way. Always. Right? And I always yeah. recommend this. Um, but, but you know, when, when you mentioned acting, like, so in New York, I had this thing, I don't know if it's still happening, but it's called audience extra. I think um, it was like a membership mm -hmm. for residents only. And you could get into Broadway and off Broadway shows for free or like, a couple dollars you know it was like this membership yeah. <clears throat> and i actually went to him a lot because one a lot of the sales is acting right so knowing when to talk when to pause how to write people through you know emotionally through it and then kind of justify it with logic like a lot of this does happen in acting in a good story but the ones i used to go to the most were when they did improv that being quick on your feet, getting people to kind of, you know, put, put their guard down, laugh a little bit. There's no better small talk than improv, mm -hmm. right? So I, I do highly recommend it. I actually found that a lot of my friends who are not really good at selling, they've started taking up stand-up comedy to get comfortable with both of these, right? Like short stories, momentum, kind of improving getting the audience to move around. Like I've, I was able to accomplish a lot of this through music because I was in Greenpoint back at the time. We had our own hip hop thing and I learned how to control an audience from that perspective. And before that DJing, 
Like I, I, you know, it was always like I watched the reactions. I knew you can't play three fast songs at once. You have to kind of lead them to a, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, we all have these unique experiences, but there's no quicker way to learn this than acting and, and improv stand up being one of them where you, where you test your skills. Especially if, you know, in New York, like if you go do stand up in New York at like a decent place, like you're very quickly going to realize do they like you or not very quickly. Like those Williamsburg open mics, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to survive them if you're not, you know, halfway decent. People just say, all right, <laughs> put their phones up, you know, but, but it's, a, it's a great testing ground. So I, I have a lot of respect for the acting community. Not as much Hollywood, you know, this is just memorizing and like, you know, but more of like the, you know, the Broadway and like, you know, like doing it live in a way, like a live setting, because that does take a lot of skill, a lot of skill. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's why I said, I think you're like, by being in that community, you're kind of halfway there. You might not know why sales work, like the actual sales process, but you have the skills that once you grasp that, it's like, you know, I, this is not bad because I've already been kind of doing this for a long time. So yeah, I think, yeah, I really think your, you know, your community will, for the most part, be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you were talking about, cause that's another thing I'm seeing a lot of my colleagues, peers, friends start to do is figure out, uh, kind of talking about, you said anybody can, can create a course, mm. but how do people figure out what it is that they would teach? You know what I mean? Cause you can't, you can't sell something that's not I mean, you can sell something that's not good, but I feel like it's not a good idea to do that in the long run. Like if you sell something that's a bad product, I think you kind of lose trust that way. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, the only thing that really people look for in courses now is not information anymore. It's outcomes, right? So, you know, you can do a course on being confident, but it's, it's going to be, you know, like a mediocre course, like, oh, confident, what's that mean? But if you tell people specifically your method, right? For example, like how to be more confident with your boss through acting, there's already, you know, something there, right? So you usually want to look at like what has been helping you the most in life, like what aspect of it and what took you the longest to break through. You know, because there are different like aspects to acting, you know, whether it's controlling your voice, you know, knowing um, how to play with emotions to kind of get what you want to persuade. Like there's different things that you know, and you kind of just bottle that one thing with a clear outcome and a method that you've either went through, developed, and kind of can say, and like, you know, all these friends of mine, they kind of all went through the same thing they can tell you, right? So that's social proof. And that's all it takes. But you just look at the outcomes, like what is important for people? You know, and for a lot of them, it is standing up for themselves to be able to memorize things. Like there's a lot of things which you're doing that a regular person might be like, man, that'd be great. That would be great. But a great course just needs to be very clear on the outcome. Like the ones that don't do well are usually like, oh, introduction to acting. Yeah, okay. Right? Like it doesn't, there's nothing there for me. 
or you know, I will teach you how to become an actor. Like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it, it needs to be very clear. And and the more that person is going to benefit from it, the more you can charge for it. You know, if I help you become much quicker on your feet and negotiate better through acting, because they, you know both use similar skills, and you get that promotion and make an extra ten twenty thousand dollars this year, I think that's a lot more valuable than me teaching you how to use your breath to, you know, control anxiety. You know what I mean? Because there's a actual beneficial outcome in there. So I would really tell the actors, you know, if you've done anything for yourself that's making you money or making you feel better, or, you know, you can usually sell that as well. Like many actors could probably benefit from having a podcast. But now if you can tie that into the actual benefits, like this has got me A, B, and C, and let me show you how I do it, already big. You know what I mean? So even looking at your competition in a way, you know, your peers, you can actually use them as students of your course. And the more specific it is, the harder it's going to be for someone to duplicate. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, the higher level you get. You know, because everyone can create a course on meditation. But unless you're a big brand, I can just go on YouTube and Google that. You know, like unless there's something bigger in there. Like like I've seen people make a lot, a lot of people make this mistake and they're trying to sell these type of courses. And they're like, oh, my competition is Mind Valley or, you know, these bigger companies we all know. And I'm like, yeah, you're not Mind Valley. You know what I mean? Like it's, I can yeah. Google what you're doing and you're not mind Valley. Like you're in a very tough spot. Mm-hmm. You know? So you want to stay away from any of those, like anyone can learn this by doing a quick, how do I on, on YouTube, you know, or if you do do a search like that and everyone's giving you information, but they don't actually tell you how to do it. And there's a lot of topics like that too. You know, like you'll watch the video and you'll be like, yeah, but no one's actually telling me how to do this. They're all saying like, yeah, I do this and it's great. And, you know, and often you can fill that gap. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, yeah, that's, you know, and don't think about putting out a lot of content. Like I've seen courses uh, for very specific, strong outcomes. Um, they've been shorter than an hour and they sold for more than a thousand dollars. Like don't, don't tie in the amount of content to the pricing to, you know, I got to produce a lot. You have two types of shoppers in the world. You have the Walmart shoppers who want things for free, cheap, or in bundles. That's not really your market. And you have the Nordstrom shoppers, the ones who value their time and they want to get this outcome as quickly as possible in the most efficient way. They pay more, they value your time, that's who you're going after. Outcomes are tricky though, because I don't feel like you can guarantee, you can't guarantee outcomes. A lot of them don't guarantee outcomes. outcomes. You know, it's... Like I definitely believe that there are specific things that if you do them, there will be a positive outcome but like to what extent kind of depends on the person and 
the timing. Yeah, but, um, but that's the thing with any coaching, right? Like if I sign up to an acting class that tells me, you know, I'm going to teach you how to do A, B, and C, you know, a lot of the students will never get there. Right. You know what I mean? Like as long as you're teaching the method, I'm like, as long as you have the skills, the motivation, like I'm not here to motivate you. If you, you know, have the skills, the motivation and, and follow my path, the outcome should happen. But there's yeah. always, you know, uh, why? Like, you know, even if you sign up to Harvard, doesn't mean you're going to get a job in finance. Yeah, that's, you actually just gave me a really good idea because I'm part of a theater company. Um, I'm really proud of this theater company. It's called the Shelter Theater Company here in New York. Mm. Um, it's, a, they've just celebrated 11 years now. Um, it's a collective of actor, writer, directors, um, super talented group, all like work around New York. Um, within that group, there's, you know, there's some bigger successes that have happened and there's just really quality work. And so now I run into other actors who say they want to be actor, writer, directors, and the amount of people who I say, hey, come to this group. We have a regular workshop. It's a pretty open door policy. It always amazes me how few people that say they want to, to do this don't walk through the door with this like free invitation. Um, but I see where they're is something sometimes where even I've done it where I sign up for a course because it's something that I know I want to do, but I'm not going to actually do the work until I actually commit to it. Um, so that's where I see how these courses so, work because, yeah. So here's a part of the human nature. Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of the population, solving a problem is not really solving the problem. So let me just break that down for you. It's, it's you know, we, we, we know this from marketing. You probably know a person that has a bookshelf full of self-help books. That's never read one, right? <laughs> what happens um, in our brains a lot is let's say I want to solve a problem, right? I want to become more confident. I buy a book or a course on becoming more confident. I put it away. I've never touched it, but in my brain, it's already checked off. Since I will get to it next, I've already solved that problem. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's in the future, but in my brain, I, I got this because the book's already here. It's the same thing with workout equipment, right? Most people, you know, they, they know to get in shape. There's a couple things, but what do they want to fulfill that with? Well, I bought a cycling bike or something, you know, and I, I, it's already here. I'll be in shape in no time. Never touched it. But in their brain, they're already solving that problem or it's halfway solved. So by you giving that invitation, all it is is like, well, I want to become an actor. I've done it. I got the invitation. It's done in no time. So here's the way you sell <clears throat> these type of uh, outcome products. You have to convince 
someone that it's possible. Not, not, not selling the outcome, right? Mm. Uh, not how I'm, uh, you can become a director. Let me sell you on this first. And then the outcome of that belief is like, well, yeah, I got to buy your course because that's what's going to get me there. But for the majority of people, you need to sell them on the idea first, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't actually believe it. So you're selling them the outcome, which like, oh, they checked it off, but they haven't went through that door because you haven't sold them on it's possible for you. And this is why. And it's the same with almost every single course. What I find people be like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to do improv, right? Let's say, you know, in a free lesson, and then you're going to buy my course. Well, people will not. You know, they'll be like, oh, okay, well, we already solved this problem. I'll get to this later. They don't actually believe that they can get to that outcome. Like you just gave them some information like, oh, okay, this is cool. It's nice, but I'm going back to my normal life. And, and, and that's what separates, I think, the great marketing from just the struggle marketing. You know, someone just trying to give a lot of content. So you got to always go back to human nature a little bit, right? And the main thing with outcomes is always belief you know that if someone believes that they can do something, you don't need to motivate them. You don't need to drag them through the door. As soon as you mention it, they're like, I'm in, can I go now? Right? You've seen those people too, the ones that really believe. Mm-hmm. And the only question is like, which path am I, am I taking to get there? In their mind, right? Like, am I going through this door? Am I going through here, right? It's just the path is the, the question. But for a lot that you talk to, it's like you're, they don't believe it. You gave them the info. It doesn't really match. That's why they don't ever do it. Mm-hmm. And so how do you bridge that gap? You have to sell the belief first, right? Like you have to sell them on the idea that a regular person like them has done it. You've seen people do it. There's a way to, you know, you're missing the method. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to first think of that sale, right? How do I sell someone on the idea that they can become an actor? Maybe they believe that they need to be born with certain skills. You got to squash that. Maybe they believe that you need to have amazing memory to become an actor. You need to squash that. Maybe they believe that you need to be super confident. You need to squash that, right? You need to go through each one of these in that sale and be like, no, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. You can become an actor. You're not selling them on the how yet at all. Just that belief. If they really think about it, like, oh, I can do it. I can really do this. That's when you got them open to anything else. Mm -hmm. Right? But initially it's that sale. So like if when you mention like a lot of your friends or something, they're actors, they want to become directors. That's the first sale you need to think of. How do I convince them that this is doable for them? Right? And then you usually want to address all of these things in their head. Oh, I can't become because I'm not a good writer. Oh, I can't become it because I don't have the connections. Oh, I, you know, like all these things. You're just like, well, you might not be the next Spielberg. But let me tell you like how regular people have went from acting to making a good living on Broadway 
or in, you know, whatever, like on podcasting, storytelling, podcasting, without having to go through any of this. You just sell them on that idea. And they're, just, you know, once they get like, oh man, I haven't thought of it that way. I always thought I need to be here when there's all these different roles I could be fulfilling as a director or writer. Mm-hmm. And you sell them on that. And that's when your course is like, how will you become a Broadway writer in a quick, using my method, blah, 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 right? So you kind of use that selling point to then be like, now I'm going to teach you the how. And that's what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So anytime you create free content, you're selling people on the idea that it's possible for them to do it. And then the sales portion is, well, this is where I take you through the how. But don't sell the how before they're at that point. Mm-hmm. So with you and like if you free up more time for yourself, uh, what are you like most excited about doing with your time um, when you have more of it? Well, I'm a little strange, man. Like, I'm very excited by getting better at things, right? Like, that's it's a weird, you know. Like, I remember, like my my family used to say, like, "Oh, you're like one of the only family people that like learning." And I always thought of it like the school learning because I was never a great student. It would bored me. It was garbage. But they were right. The things that I get into, like interested, I get super deep, you know. And then like the more I get deeper, the more I figure out I don't understand and I want to understand it. Then I grasp some of those concepts and I'm like, oh, now I don't understand it at all. And then I have to keep going, keep going. So I've been in marketing for quite a long time and I'm at this point where I know so much where I think I don't know anything and it's super exciting because I know I will grasp more of that and I know it's always going to leave me with more so the more time I have the more I get better at my craft and I think that just gets me going the most Mm -hmm. you know everything else is cool like I can make people money I, I can you know put out a product but that's more like a side effect of what I'm doing than the goal. You know, if you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. as an actor, you know, being an amazing actor or an amazing musician, you know, like there, there are these moments where you're just like, man, I'm so good. I'm in the flow. This is what I do this for, you know? And you being on stage or, you know, doing anything, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. It comes with a high and then a low because it, you know, it's, it passes, you know, it's not something, you know, and, and it's more of a side effect to how good you've become, right? Like, you know, like you've performed in front of 4,000 people, like, yeah, it was great. What next? That's not, you know, it's not going to keep you excited forever. And um, well, at least for me, I'm one of those people who just, you know, like I, I get more of a kick from how good I'm getting than the side effect of what's happening, whether it's a new car or whatever, right? Like all that stuff is like, cool, you know, for like 10 minutes. And then I'm like, all right, let me get back to what I'm doing now. Like, I just, I just don't, yeah. So that's, that's more of a case with me. And, and I find through these podcasts and things, one, I can help others. Cause when I was 20, I had no one to explain any of this to me. Like I would have saved myself so many 
you know, mistakes if I had, but we didn't have the podcasting back then. We didn't have all this. We could read some books, which were so out of reality, you know, like me reading a biography of like one of the top actors or wealth managers. Like that's not, I'm not even close to that. That's like someone trying to compete with Amazon with their little home made, whatever, right? It's like, you're not even in the same ball game. So, you know, helping people kind of realize like it's not out of your reach. You know, you can come from a communist country, go through all this hell and then become whatever, come well on the other side. But the second thing is by explaining it over and over, I find holes in my arguments and then I get better also. Mm-hmm. Right? Like yeah. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, and you probably see that too. You explain something, you're just like, hold on a second. I could have definitely said that better <laughs> before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had something about that recently, just like kind of... Uh, about storytelling and it's basically uh we tell stories to see ourselves and so it's like we're telling stories for the benefit of other people hopefully learning but at the same time in the telling of the story we actually see ourselves better um and get more clear about our story and then it's like also realizing when you start (laughs) it gets super meta but when you start storytelling and telling your story and getting better at it you actually also sometimes get better at living your life like with direction because you're more clear about where you came from where you are and where you want to go yeah but that's that's the stuff that starts happening when you get better right Mm -hmm. initially you're confident i'm like i know how to do x and then as you get better, you're just like, yeah, I, I didn't really know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, and, oh, yeah. it, and it happens more and more. And, and then Meta, it happens more. And then actually you simplify things again. And then you start finding holes in that simplification. And it never ends, right? But that's just the path you take when you get better at something. And with storytelling, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a never-ending journey. You're never going to make the perfect story. Mm-hmm. It's just when you did it, you're going to be like, I could have done something better here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I think that's the best goal, just to get better at things. And, and this is the way things work, man. The better you get, the more kind of the universe rewards you. You know, if you can kind of put it that way. Like, I don't believe in the secret or any of that. But it's a side effect of being good. Like, all stuff that you gather around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that, where is the best place for people to follow you and keep up with what you're up to? Uh, just smartbrandmarketing.com. That's, that's the website where I put everything on there. It's when we have new services or a podcast or anything I release. It's all kind of under that umbrella. And, and it makes things easier. It really easy to get, get a hold of me. Um, like I've been where a lot of the listeners are. So I, I, I do have a lot of empathy for someone struggling as I've struggled. You know, it's, it's been, you know, you don't come from a Eastern European country into America and have anything handed to you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I definitely get it. And, you know, the, the struggle is real, you know, like here's one thing to kind of keep in mind too. It's like, it's a bus analogy. Right. And we often, we get on a certain bus, whether it's acting, music, business, 
we get on a certain bus and you know, we get to a stop and there's a wall, which we kind of need to break through, you know, to get to the next stop. But what most of us do is we look at the bus next to us and we look at someone sitting in a seventh seat or eighth seat. We're always on the second or third, maybe. And we see how great that bus looks. It drives faster. It's more beautiful. Everyone looks richer in there. And we move to that bus where we start on the first seat again. And a lot of us jump from seat to seat, from bus to bus, and we never get past that third, fourth seat because it requires something else. And if you stay on that bus, the one you were in originally, eventually you're going to make, make it look as good as that other person. But, you know, most of us jump, you know, so my, my, you know, thing that I tell other people is just stay on the fucking bus. As long as it's going in the right direction, you're not a blockbuster where, you know, like this is definitely just ending. If you're in the right direction, it's not the bus, it's you that needs to get better. You stay on this bus, it'll be fine. Right. Just, it's that saying, what got you to this point will not take you to the next. So often we just need to break through these things and we realize like, oh yeah. As you said, things got better, you know. So when I was struggling a lot, I spoke with a business friend of mine who was ahead of me. And, you know, his knowledge, everything. And you can think of that as acting or anything. Someone just way ahead of you. And you're going through these problems. You know, you're in a third seat. You're like, man, I'm, I'm almost done with this. I can't, I can't, you know. And the, and the person just tells you, look, I promise you, if you're going to keep improving every single day by just putting in the work a year from now, the problem you had will be just business as usual. And it happened to me every single time. Like the things that would have broke me four or five years ago, like, you know, because things happen. Things will get piled on you. You'll lose your acting gig. The contract will be something. You know, your money will be still like things will happen. But eventually just be like, yeah, I'll deal with this after lunch. You know, it's not going to have an effect on you. And that's what happens by you sticking with it. And, you know, I, I always try to put that message across because that is the most important part. If you, you know, stay persistent on the same path and you kind of stick with things, it does become easier. You grow a thicker skin. You've went through these experiences. Employees screwed you over. You know, initially, shock. Five years later, another one. Right, let's do the hiring process again. You know what I mean? Like this, this stuff just gets easier. So I, I do want to make sure I, I put that message out because I wish someone told me that before. You know, instead of being like, oh, man, it's going to be over. No, this is just part of the business. That's part of the life, you know, just get through it. Yeah, that was uh, like specifically with acting, but also kind of my approach to acting right now um, and everything like because I took I did take five years off from acting um, and then and I was doing I was like doing some music at the time. I had my band but I was managing a bar. And so I kind of like went, just drifted in another direction, like to where first it was like music and that was going, but then kind of like the bar managing thing, kind of, and just the bar world took my attention for a while. And I realized five years of not doing it that I actually missed it. And then 
you know, it's like you're five years older. Acting is definitely a young person's game. Um, that said, blaming things like sitting there making excuses like I'm too old. You, you're never too old to like do anything. Like while you're breathing, you can, you can do things. But it was the hardest thing that I've ever done was getting back on that bus. Um, yeah, yeah that's the, you did the thing we all do. You jumped from one bus to the next, then to the next, realizing, man, if I just stuck on that first bus, I would be so much farther ahead now. Yeah. So you did the right thing to do, which is get back on that bus. Maybe you're back in seat two now, but get back to it and start ignoring the other buses. That's all it really is. And we all go through yeah. this. Well, the biggest thing that I learned and I realized is that, uh, you know, one of the hardest things about being an actor is like the constant rejection. And that's what a lot of people like who don't audition regularly, like, man, I can never do, I can never deal with like that constant rejection and failure, but really like life, you're going to have a lot of rejection and you're going to have a lot of failure. And it can be like the thing where you grow the most from actually those things that you were talking about, those things that happen, they're hard, they're challenging. They can make you feel not so good at the time. But like you said, if you can go, I'll deal with this after lunch and realize maybe there's something you can like learn and improve on. Now for me, like what I kind of look at is I have the opportunity to fail a lot. So I have the opportunity if I take it, to learn and grow a lot at the same time. So that's kind of what I pivoted to. So it's yeah. like being, being willing to, yeah, stick with it and struggle um, to yeah, break. That, that's why I said you're already, you know, halfway there. Like the, the thing about actors and, and musicians, you know, they get rejected a lot at auditions. Mm -hmm. What I did was I got jobs as a door-to-door -door sales guy in New York. You go door to door in Brooklyn, Queens. You know how fun that's going to be, right? Selling things. That's where I learned my rejection. We all need to learn it in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Some people say, you know, get a crappy customer service job when you're younger. Yeah, maybe. I, I think there's nothing better than some kind of a rejection job when you're younger, right? Because that's going to set you up for everything else moving on. Like mm -hmm. I have very zero, zero fear right now. I had no fear going into a business in Harlem trying to sell something and getting kicked out or the door getting in my face, I have zero problem contacting someone online. Like what is the worst that's going to happen? Right. <laughs> so I, I think it, it is very important. And for actors, that's why I'm saying like you're halfway there because you've got the rejection thing already. You've got the storytelling. You're only missing some of the business knowledge. Right. I, I, yeah. But for someone who, see, this could be a course on its own. You know, how I used acting to handle rejection. You know, and then you kind of tie that into what the people want. Like, I know you want to go from A to B, but you're scared of getting rejected. What if I show you my method, right? This is already a valuable course. You're scared of act, asking your boss for a promotion. You're scared of going to this place. You're, you know, and as an actor, like, who's seen someone judge someone else much more than actors, right? In sales, you just get kicked out. But as an actor, you're getting judged too. Like, ah, yeah. you are crappy. 
Like not only do you get rejected, you're getting told how crappy you are. You got to handle that mentally. Well, and it's interesting because sometimes it's that and other times it's also not even, sometimes it's not even that, that that's the case. Sometimes you're actually doing really good. You're, they're just going with a bigger name or, or whatever the reason is. Like you don't know what the reason is sometimes. So realizing sometimes like even if you gave the best audition ever, sometimes you still don't get the part because it's not at the end of the day about you. But being able to show up and give like the best audition over and over again, that's, that's like what's about you. You know what I mean? The outcome of whether or not you get the part, that's not. But that's just like everything, everything else in life, you know? Yeah, but that's nuance in your field. And two, that's the experience, right? Like when I go on a sales call now or when I'm talking with someone in selling, like I am so comfortable. Mm -hmm. Like I know the sale will happen whether or not I want it. Mm-hmm. you know, more than the actual prospect. I can lead them whichever way I want them. You know, if they don't have enough money, it's like, oh, it's okay. Like they would have never been a customer anyway. But getting someone from <laughs> like where we were a long time ago to that point, that's super valuable. You mm-hmm. know, like having like your own, like you control how you're going to act. Yeah more than having the environment and other things control it. Like, yeah, yeah, the environment can do whatever you want, but you still control your destiny the way you're going to do it. So, yeah, these are all, you know, ways of getting around it. Um, but, yeah, these days, yeah, with, with content creation, like there's no better insurance policy or resume than actually putting out content and getting people to kind of get to know you and kind of building a bit of a following especially in a, in a field like, you know, you're in, there's no better thing to do. Um, I really think of it as an insurance policy. Yeah. Um, and it's also been both, you were talking about some of those things that start to happen um, as you just get better at doing things. Some rewards, if you want to call them that start to happen. Um, but also, friendships and kind of community networking like happens. Um, yeah, there's just like a lot of, lot of things. And it's like, also, I don't look at other people in the same field as me as my competition. Like, it's not that I don't look at them at all. Like the comp, like, like we're competing sometimes for, similar things but i also believe i have my specific story that i'm telling and i'm not trying to be anybody else and i think that's like a that's like i think a big message that i try to tell people is like trying to figure out yeah what yeah comes down to what story you're telling and learning how to articulate that and share that yeah the the, the one thing i would add um especially in New York, because I know how New York is. Um, You want to move from the hustler mentality to playing long-term games with long-term people. Yes. As soon as possible. And and, and telling your story, all of that will kind of come through um, by getting better. But you want to move away from that hustler mentality. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's cute when you're 20. It becomes much less so as you get older. Yeah. Right. And this is where you really want to get into your field, find out the other people who are as serious about it as you. Yeah. And, and forget game theory. It's the worst thing you could imagine. You know, a lot of people read that book on game theory. It's all about winning one-off games. You know, because they, they, they say oh, that's how, you know, you should live your life, like, in that book. As you get better, you have to realize you will play multiple games with the same people. Yeah. And that game theory fails at that yeah. moment. Right? So don't use that as a shortcut. It'll become a crutch. Forget the hustler mentality. It's cool when you're 20. You need to hustle, figure out what you want to do. But at some point, you move into, I'm going to get better now. Find other people who are in the same field and play long-term games. That's how yeah, you get there. That, that's, I think, what I was getting at with, like, I don't see my peers as competition because it's like, I want to, I want to get better. I want to learn from my, from my peers and the people who are like a little bit ahead from me. Um, and and then the people who are coming up, even if, even if I see that they're playing a different game than me, I still, I want to help them out because I want, I want the whole field to get better so that I can get better. You know what I mean? Like the, the better game we're all playing, the better we can all be. The like best I book I can, I can recommend on this, and it's not a long book. Um, it's called Churning Pro by Stephen Pressfield. Oh, one of my favorites. That one was actually my – I didn't do this before, but this year I definitely decided – I don't really like the term New Year's resolution, but I do like the idea of kind of setting goals and like kind of naming things. And so my thing for this year was – turn pro yeah. so hold myself more accountable yeah it's, it's one of the best books that i i can really recommend like you know that and war uh war of art i think the one yeah. about resistance um yep. i think that would be a good primer for a lot of people who are struggling you know and and what they're doing but churning pro is, is an amazing um amazing book like it, it just gets the concepts through mm-hmm. i think very well um, yeah, I, I think that's, that would be my recommendations. I think it's just a lot we covered <laughs> today. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about today? No, I think we're good. I, I think it's been a lot. You know, I always think if we can get someone to just figure out one concept or breakthrough on one of these, it's more than enough. And I think we've, we kind of packed quite a bit in, into this show. Yeah. I agree. Well, thank you very much for sitting down and talking with me, Tom. Yeah, um, man. Thanks for having me. Like, uh, it was fun. I hope you enjoy Thailand. Um, I'm, I, I'm not a jealous person, but I can't lie. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I know it's, I'm looking at the other bus, but uh, that bus that you're in, chilling over in Thailand, that sounds pretty good. It is a great bus, but, you know, once again, you have to figure out your own story. Yeah. You know, un- until I figured out my own, like what I actually like, it was, it was always good, but it wasn't great. 
you know, and I, I, and like you said, by retelling my own story, like I start figuring out like, oh, you know what, actually I like this more. Um, because a lot of the things we think we like, it's just stuff we heard somewhere or has been like kind of ingrained in us by, you know, the, the narrative, but it's not necessarily like what you actually want, like your story. Right. So that is very important. And I don't know, like, it, I don't think I'll, I'll have that down ever. You know, because like you always learn more about yourself. But I think it is very important to like when you think of things you want to be like, where did this idea come from? Is it mm-hmm. mine, or is it an external one that I just kind of heard and I'm like, oh, I like this now. You know, and it, it's sometimes difficult to separate, um, especially when you're younger. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it is very key to you know following the right path. Yeah. Uh, do you have any final parting thoughts? Just stay on the bus, guys. Stay on the bus as long as it's the right bus, you know, and, and you know the right one as long as it's going in the right trajectory. Like, like I said, if it's, the industry is not dying and it's going upwards, it's you. It's not the bus. Cool. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. Um, enjoy yeah, the rest of Enjoy your time. How is, uh, how is New York right now? How, how are the things? Because, I mean, I see some of the news, you know, and I speak with some people and it's like, it's very mixed. So I'm always curious. Yeah, um, I think it's different for everybody. I'm super grateful for my circumstances. Um, we have a backyard. Um, we have like plenty of space in our apartment. Um, so, yeah. And, and like I said, for me, I've, this period of time, I've been doing a lot of writing and found a lot of clarity. Um, so yeah, like being trapped here, um, I'm, I feel like I'm trapped on the right bus right now. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, take care. Yep. Take care. So that was my conversation with Tom Liebelt, smart brand marketing. Check out the links in the show notes as always. And if you want to support the Bushwick Variety Show, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Um, We also have a Patreon uh, that we set up recently and are, you know, working out, figuring it out. Uh, If you are on the bus, um, first of all, if you're not on the bus, get on the bus. Um, Go from there. Um, If you think you're on the wrong bus, you can always get off and like try new buses, but just keep going forward. Um, yeah, kind of lost the metaphor there at the end, but yeah, just keep going forward. And, uh, yeah, one thought on that sometimes lateral is actually forward. Um, if you just pivot like that becomes forward. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm going to leave it at that little nugget lateral movement can also be forward movement depending on your perspective. All right. Have a good one. Take care. And I will talk to you soon. Peace. We're going to set you free.